Welcome back, everybody. Another episode of Subject to Change is here, and I promise we are going to be more consistent with this thing this summer. We're going to get it rolling, and what better way to start than bringing on Luca Garza, Iowa Center Naismith Player of the Year. We're going to chop it up with him, talk about NFTs, which I don't know what NFTs are, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So let's just jump right into that. Luca, how you doing, man? Where you at? What's uh, what's life look like for you right now? I'm doing great. You know, I'm back home in DC. Uh, you know, I just signed with my agent recently, uh, you know, around here locally. So I'm getting to work. I'm excited. I'm getting ready for the NBA draft, you know, losing some weight, doing different things to, to help get me ready for that process. So you know, I'm really excited right now and, and looking forward to it. Sweet, man. Who'd you, who'd you end up signing with agency wise for people who don't know? Yeah. Imperative Sports, uh, they represent Jalen Smith and Jeremy Grant. Those are probably the two biggest names. Um, and, and, you know, I, I know these people really well for a long time. And, um, so I'm really excited. Uh, I know they're going to, they, they're looking out for me and they got, you know, my best interest in mind. And that was the biggest thing. Instead of going with a big, big agency, was going with someone smaller that, you know, really cares about their clients. Yeah, was that something that you kind of like thought about going into it? Like, oh, do I go with someone bigger or small? And for you, is it more like a family vibe that you're looking for? Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what it is. You know, I, I got a whole family vibe there and, it, and it's, and, it, and that's the best part. You know, it's just, you know, these guys know basketball, they, they understand the game and they understand my game. So that, that's the biggest thing. So yeah, that was, that was, you know, essential for this whole process. My dad did such a great job, you know, kind of monitoring it throughout the season. Cause you know, I would just send everybody to my dad anytime an agent would reach out to me, anything like that. I was just like, you know, talk to my dad, I'm focused on the season right now. And he kind of just, you know, was able to filter the good ones from the bad. And we did a couple of pitches and, you know, it was really an easy decision at the end of the day. So I'm excited. Um, and they, you know, we got, they got a really good plan ahead for me uh, with my diet and, and then all my workouts and different trainers and stuff like that. So, you know, these next couple of months, uh, you know, I'm excited. I'm going to improve a lot and, and, and show some people, improve some people wrong for sure. At, yeah. you Go ahead, Sons. At what point do you guys start talking to teams? Like right now, it's just kind of getting to meet everyone continuing to work out when does the real the real grit start you know i think you know my agent's been getting calls you know for a while just about you know me and different stuff like this um, um and i think you know my coaches at iowa always got calls and on teams that you wanted to see more or see more about me um so i think we don't really start talking to teams probably until the combine i think my agent will talk to teams throughout but june 21st is you know my first time that i'll ever i'll be in front of a of an NBA team and that'll be at the combine. And then, you know, after that, it'll start doing workouts and different things like that. And that's when all the interviews will come and, and stuff like that. Got it. And you, you were just, you're just the player of the year as Jordan mentioned. And now, but like, still, it's not like you're not, everyone's like saying, Oh, you're gonna be the number one pick. Right. So like, what are, what do you have to work on now? What are like, what's a, what is, how have the workouts changed since like preparing for college and now you're preparing for the NBA? Like what's different? Yeah, for sure. You know, in, in the Big Ten, I kind of had to be a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. I was playing more on the block. Um, so I was around, you know, 265, 270, you know, throughout this entire year. And, you know, now I'm focused on dropping some weight, you know, probably going to try to get down to 255, something smaller so I can be a little bit more quicker, agile, while still being able to be strong and hold myself down on the block. Um, but, you know, continue to work on my perimeter shooting and obviously, you know, my, my defensive, you know, mobility and everything like that. So a bunch of it's just working on my footwork and, and everything like that. And just trying to, you know, show people that I'm faster than they think, because that's where all the question marks around my game are. You know, it's not really with the scoring. You know, I've kind of proved that I can do that at a high level, but it's with the defense, it's with all that stuff, and it's with my athleticism. So being able to work on that and put my myself in a position where 
you know, they can kind of be like, oh, he, he can survive out there and be able to score and, and, and be a plus for our organization. Yeah, how do you – so, when you, you know, going into this NBA draft process, you talk about every, every NBA player has got their story of coming into the NBA and these, eval, these evals, the evaluations that the NBA gives you where they project you're going to get drafted, what teams think are your strengths or weaknesses – I feel like that can kind of, you know, that, that kind of gets to some guys, but it doesn't seem like it's, uh, you know, affected you other than, than a motivation. How do you work on, like, you know, everybody knows that you can go in the gym, set the gun up, and get shots up, and everybody knows you can score. Defensively, are you trying to find guys around D.C.? Are you in open runs? How, how, do you, how are you working on improving that kind of foot speed and, and stuff like that, or is it all just pretty much a Agility-based workouts. You know, I got a couple of different trainers that I've been really, you know, focused with working on, and and it's all really that agility, that footwork, working on the ladder, doing different things, um, just to kind of, you know, work on my running to form everything, you know, in that kind of aspect, just to kind of be, you know, a little bit quicker, a little bit faster, different things like that. And I think, you know, I haven't played any, you know, contact since you know my last game against Oregon, and I think, you know, that'll come more in in, in May. Um, and we're still kind of laying the groundwork for all that. And they'll definitely put me in positions and in my workouts, you know, we've already talked about it, just putting me in pick and roll uh, situations, how to, how to learn to guard that better, um, do different things like that. And so, you know, I'm going to be put in a position that I'm going to have to work on that stuff all summer before I get to the, to the draft, uh, you know, workouts and everything like that. So I'll, I'll be prepared for that. Um, and I know I can do it. I just got to continue to work on it. And especially, you know, when I'm coming into the NBA and I won't have as large of a role offensively as I did in college, you know, I'll be able to to, to maximize those minutes and be able to play harder and, and be able to move my feet faster. Got it. Got it. So how'd you go from the hundredth ranked player in high school, like to now being the best player in all of college basketball? Like, were they just wrong in high school? Like, were you going off there and like people just weren't recognizing it? Or did you get like insanely better? How do you go from ranked the hundredth to where you are now? I think it's a little bit of both. I think, you know, uh, you know, I, I did very well in the UIPL and, and I was obviously good at my high school. Uh, but I think, you know, and, and also like, you know, camps like, I know Jordan, me went to an NBA camp, NBA, MBPA top 100. And I was on, I was on the, the late list. So if someone got hurt or someone couldn't come, then I would come in. So I came in and then I ended up being on the all-star team with, you know, Zion Williams and, you know, different people stuff like that. So I, I kind of showed myself there um, that I was one of the better players in the country, but I think people still, you know, kind of didn't recognize it because they didn't see me translating that athleticism to the, to the, to the college level, much like everyone's talking about now with me not being able to translate to NBA. So it's sort of the same thing where, you know, I, I, I did well in high school, but you know, it wasn't enough or it didn't wow people enough to really rank me highly. And it, and it didn't do anything to, but motivate me. And at the time, you know, I was just really happy to be on the list at all. You know, I hadn't been on any top 100 list. And the last one that ESPN came out with, I was number 100. You know, they spelled my name wrong and it was Luke Garza. Uh, but <laughs> that's you know, amazing. That, you know, I was, I, was, I was happy to be on the list, but it was something that motivated me to just climb and climb and climb and show that in college that I'll end up, you know, hopefully at number one. And I, I never really thought I'd ever be in this position to win National Player of the Year or anything like that. But, you know, being at the University of Iowa with the coaching staff I had and the teammates that I had, it just, you know, was awesome. And, you know, there were a lot of a lot of summers, a lot of hard work uh, to put myself in a position to be able to do that. And I, I definitely grew tremendously, uh, you know, throughout my career at Iowa. Yeah, speaking, speaking of Iowa, you know, just how much uh, – was there any uh, waiver, you know, between – 
leaving and going professionally or coming back for another season. Obviously, I'm I'm assuming the entire state of Iowa wanted you back for another year because seemed like fans this year just assumed everybody was coming back to college basketball because of this COVID year. Exactly. Um, you know, just talk talk to me about Iowa and like what what's some of your better experiences that you've had there? If if any one sticks out for you, because I know yeah, those fans I mean, are crazy. I mean, there there's so many, and I think. You know, when you talk about my decision last year, whether to go to the draft or come back, you know, I, I, I had knowledge that I would have been a second round pick, you know, last year. And, you know, it just wasn't enough. I wanted to be a part of this team. I wanted to be able to finish my career. And, and so there's, you know, there's just so many memories, you know, at the University of Iowa with all the, the great games we played, winning at Hilton Coliseum, which we hadn't done and since Coach McCaffrey had been there and, and winning there in front of their crowd, you know, that was before COVID when, you know, the crowds were loud and being able to, you know, win there and Jordan left his shoes on the court and, and all of that stuff was, was a, it was a lot of fun. So there's so many games that I can recount and recall and talk about and all the locker room celebrations, you know, winning at Ohio State this year, which was probably, you know, the best win I've ever had in my career, number 14 in the, in the country on the road. Um, so I think, you know, there's so many games, so many moments to think of. It's hard to really choose. And it's, it's, it's really, you know, kind of awesome to kind of reflect on. And, and I'm just so grateful that you know, Coach McCaffrey found me and recruited me as hard as he did to give me an opportunity to go there. And, you know, when I was first, you know, getting recruited and, you know, I, I got off the plane from D.C. and I'm in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I'm like, where am I at? You know, everything's flat. There's no buildings. I had never been in any, anywhere but a city my whole life. So I, I did, I'd never been to the Midwest. So it was completely different. But, you know, I just fell in love with the Midwest in a way and, and in all the people. So it was really, really special time. I know you're uh, still coming off the high of winning Naismith Player of the Year, but like, have you sat back and thought about it? You're in a pretty elite fraternity when you think about it. Michael Jordan, Zion Williamson, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, guys like that have won that that award for you. Have you won? Have you thought about that? Two, do you have any interesting stories? Has anybody reached out to you since winning the award? Just talk about that whole experience, really. You know, honestly, um, I think it's something that's really going to hit me later in life. You know, I think it's 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 a surreal moment when I heard that I, I won these awards and won all of them. And to be consensus was something that was, you know, crazy. And especially last year being in the player of the year race and with me and Obi Toppin and, you know, me winning one out of the six and he won the other five. You know, I think, uh, you know, it, it, it was just kind of crazy uh, just to think that, you know, two years in college that I'd be in the player of the year race. I never thought that would ever happen for me, you know, going to Iowa, you know, and that was never something that was in my head. And my sophomore year of high school, I went to the final four in Indianapolis. And I actually, you know, was with, with my dad's college coach who was a member of the NABC, all of that. So I got to go to the banquet and watch, you know, Frank Kaminsky, you know, receive his Naismith award, his AP player of the year award and all of that. And, you know, I, I watched that, I watched his speeches and I just, you know, I never thought, thought of myself in that way. I never thought that could be possible. So to think now that, you know, I am that guy, you know, that I was, you know, sitting in the crowd watching, you know, that's, it's kind of a surreal feeling um, and, and it's, and it's really cool. And I'm just you know, thankful. I think it really means a lot to my family and, 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 and cause we have a history of college basketball in college. You know, my grandpa was so big on me going to college and, and, and staying for four years and, and making sure I got my degree and, and being a great college player. And he knew John wouldn't. Uh, very well and used to go on the daily walk with John Wooden in the mornings and different stuff like that so when I won the Wooden Award that was something that was that was crazy for him so for me it was really to see the happiness among my family and, and, and other people's faces when I won those awards it was just you know really really uh, 
you know, really special. Jordan, did you play against Luca at this camp? Uh, at top 100 camp, Luke, I don't, I don't know. If, did we play against each other? I don't know if our team. So. I don't think so. We, we uh, ate together a couple times at the at, upstairs. Uh, you know, yeah, yep. Jordan was big time. He probably big time you, right? <laughs> no, that's not. No, he no. We to Wisconsin guys, so I, I thought he was gonna go to Wisconsin because it was like him, Nate Reavers. I was like, oh, what's going on? And you know, it was just me and Connor on the other side of the table, just kind of. You know, chopping it up. So you know, it was funny. It was it was good times. I always watched him play, though. You know, we I don't think we ever played matched up against each other in these camps, but I always was a fan of watching. Oh you. yeah, you were because you played UIBL, right? Yes. Got yes. it. Wait, so yeah, take like, me through getting ranked top one hundred. You guys were is that like the cool? Like, is there anything cooler for a high school kid? Uh, and know, did you post it? Did you post it? Uh, I think you know. I think one of my friends posted, so I, I, I definitely made sure I reposted. Oh, okay. It. <laughs> I had to flex it a little bit. No, it, it felt good. You know, the worst part was like I was posting, but it was like my name was spelled wrong. So I was just like, oh. <laughs> you know, it was like almost really cool, you know, but it wasn't quite. <laughs> Jordan, what about you? Did I what? Did I post it? Yeah, I probably you, posted it. I feel like you were mad that you weren't ranked higher. I think I think I, I topped out at like, I think I topped out at like 80, 82 or maybe, I don't know. I can't even remember now. You just either, you're in the top 100 or you're not. And, and Luke Garza, Luke Garza was in the top 100. I don't know. If Luke ever did. <laughs> Should we change your name? No, keep it as Luca. There's a it's Luca funny. in the NBA already. There's not really any Lukes. This could be wait, a wait, wait, wait. move. Wait, I don't like Luke. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it was me, Luca, uh, Nate Reavers. It was like it was pretty much me, Luca, and the five other white guys at the top 100 <laughs> camp. At, at lunch, like the first day, and then we were yeah, all Connor like, McCaffrey, Joe Lee's camp. It was like all, yeah, like, all the Midwest, all the Midwest white kids at one <laughs> table, and then eventually it all kind of like we all got to know each other. But that is hilarious. I I almost forgot about that. That's yeah, that's too yeah. funny. It's funny stuff. Um, Luca, is it, is it true you were a six seven freshman in high school who couldn't dunk? Like, yeah, yes, absolutely. Well, you no, know, it was like going through warm ups. I wouldn't even try. Like, just lay it up or shoot a jump hook like you know there was no no chance it was bad were, were you fat were you out of shape what was i was this? very skinny i was like 185 and i couldn't yeah. like move very well but i could shoot it like that was the best thing i could do and then i that so i went from six seven like 185 and actually that summer you know at our school we had to do uh we had to do track and field or like another sport so i did track and field so i was throwing a shot put but they wanted me to run the 100 and there's a video somewhere that someone posted. Like it is like I was beat by like seven seconds. Like the the race ended, and it was just like me going on for like a little bit longer. It was it was horrible. I never did it again. It was awful. But you know, I, I that summer is when I really kind of started to improve a lot. You know, that summer is when I obviously first dunked. But I grew to six nine. You know, I became went from one eighty to like two thirty. Like it was just like a big summer in terms of continuing to put on weight. So the next year. Yeah, I had more of a, a better body, but I still wasn't, you know, quick or fast. And I was just continuing to work on that. And then, you know, I had surgery after my sophomore year and I kind of got up and weight to like 260 um, and I was a little bit bigger. And then I had a, had a month in August where you know, actually my AU coach, like he came over and, and uh, when I was in the summer and pinched like the fat on the side of my, my, my waist. And my, I now found out like a couple weeks ago, my dad told him to, told him to do that. And that like just pissed me off. So I, in August, I lost 30 pounds, like in the, in a month. I worked out like three times a day, crazy diet, all of that. And then I came back, I was uh, 6'10", 6'11", 
230, and that's when I started to really receive high major offers. That's awesome. That's like a transformation. That's cool to hear. Uh, in high school, though, in AAU, you played against a lot of guys in EYBL. So Michael Porter Jr., Trey Young, Colin Sexton. What was that like? Like, did you know, like, all those guys were league-bound when you played against them? Did you go up, like, against Michael Porter, for instance, a big guy? Yeah, for sure. You know, the craziest thing was, uh, you know, I played against Colin Sexton in 16U, and, and no one was talking about him, but he was dropping, like, 30. And I was like, this guy's is different. Like, he is, he's better than a lot of the other, like, guys that are high, ranked higher than him or whatever. And, and so it just – then the next summer came and he continued to do the same thing in the EYBL. And then he still wasn't like crazy, highly ranked. I'm just like, this guy's an NBA player. And, and obviously he did what he did at Alabama and became, you know, one and done. And obviously he's a really, really good pro, but you know, there's a lot of guys, you know, you know, I, I played against, um, you know, California Supreme had a, had a really big squad. They had, uh, was that Bolin Sharif? No, it was De DeAndre Ayton and Brandon McCoy, who were two like top 10 centers at the time. And then it was Cassius Stanley was on a wing. Ethan Thompson from Oregon State was on a wing. And they, were, they had, a, like, a really, like, good bench with a lot of other players. And we were actually playing a zone. And we didn't have any other bigs, so I was a five. And they posted both DeAndre Aiden and Brandon McCoy on the block. So I'm going from one, one block trying to front DeAndre Aiden, the other block trying to, trying to front Brandon McCoy. And we actually beat them. And, and, and uh, you know, that was one of my better games in UIPL. But, you know, we, we definitely – we played against everybody. You know, Trey Young and Michael Porter – uh, we played them at Peach Jam, actually. And, they were uh, going off in Peach Jam. Yeah, and they had, like, I mean, Michael Porter had, like, 30 points, and not one field goal wasn't a dunk. Like, it was all, like, running down the lane, at oop to him, and it was crazy. And then our coach, who was kind of, like, uh, known for, like, you know, getting on the refs and stuff like that, he uh, – so he gets a tech in the second half, and, uh, you know – he was just, he went over to talk to the ref and the ref just like quickly gives him another one just out of nowhere. And so he loses his mind. He runs on the, on the court and this is like P-Champ. So there's like Coach K, Bill Self, like Fran is on, on the front line. Like every coach you can think of is in that. Cause it's Michael Porter, Trey Young and our team had a lot of guys. So, you know, it, it, was, a, it was a crazy matchup. So he's losing his mind. He runs on the court, like charging the refs. All our assistants are like pulling him back. So. He has to leave, and on his way out, there's a trash can by the stairwell and that goes down. He grabs the trash can and throws it onto the court. And so it was like a whole 15-minute break, and we're all like, oh, we're like motivated, hyped up. And then we come out, you know, obviously Trey Young gets four free throws, four points. It was like a, it was like a six-point game, so that moves it to 10. And then he gets the ball out of bounds. He pulls it from like, like 10, five steps in front of half and just knocks it down. And that was kind of the game over after that. We couldn't come back well, from 13 with like seven minutes to go. So the garbage, the garbage can didn't help against Trey Young and Michael Porter. It, it motivated us at first, but then he hit that shot, and it was just, you know, kind of, kind of hurt. We we were gonna lose anyway because they were just playing too well, and obviously they won PCM that year. So there's nothing you could do. But it, it, it's a funny story to think, look back on. No, that's my favorite thing. Is it's like this unwritten rule, and like baseball and basketball somehow decided like we're gonna partner up in this unwritten rule. If you get ejected, you either gotta throw some shit, kick some shit, yeah, exactly. curse somebody out. Something's got to happen. Like, you can't just go out like, respect. That can't happen. You get no, ejected. 100%. And I, I've, seen what, I've seen what Coach McCaffrey too. You know, he had his fair share of, of being able to freak out of the rest and get ejected and make sure, you know, he's, did, known, he, he's known that, you know, he had a problem with the game. <laughs> did he, uh, did, did Fran ever get kicked out of, Coach McCaffrey ever get kicked out of a game? Yeah, my freshman year at Maryland, uh, Bo Borowski actually, you know, 
teed him up twice in a row. And okay. like, he didn't deserve the second tag. Like, it was crazy. And he threw him out. We were like, the refs were not good that game. It was bad. You know, like we had a play where Anthony Cowan um, kind of inadvertently just elbowed like our big man who was trying to set a screen. And then the next play, um, he goes down on offense and he shoots the ball. And like Jordan swipes down, but doesn't touch him. And he, he gets a foul with three shots. And that's when coach kind of lost his mind. And it was, it was just bad, but no, it was, it, it, it's funny. You know, he's, he's, everyone, you know, thinks of coach Fran as this guy who's always yelling and all of that, but 99% of that is at the reps, you know, as players, we catch it a little bit, but it's mostly directed at the officials and off the court. He's like the, he's like the funniest guy I know. He's a, he's a family man. You know, he's, he's, he's drinking Mountain Dew and eating pizza. You know, that's, 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 that's Fran. <laughs> He drinks Mountain Dew. This all the time. I, I, I've never seen anybody drink more Mountain Dew. It's unreal. Like, no, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Huggins drinks more Mountain Dew than him. He'll no have, way. Yes, yes. Coach Hugs will drink. He will drink Mountain Dew during practice. Does Fran do that during practice? Okay, not during practice. So you might have me be. But I, I think some of the D1 do. coaches drinking Mountain Dew. We have we have our like you know when we have our go to the hotels we got our like you know late night where our food Max, is all the drinks yep. like there's always Mountain Dew and there's literally one reason why it's there it's because of coach <laughs> that's hilarious that, then then I'm sure they are really close I mean the whole coaching world is close but when yeah. you're at that level like those two are I'm sure they know each other really well but it's funny funny that they both had this Mountain Dew kick and then uh my freshman year hugs got kicked out actually in Hilton Coliseum against Iowa State my freshman year I was playing like mm-hmm. I, I don't even know I don't even think I had played more than like two minutes in a game at that point in my career. So I just got like front row seats to watch hugs and uh, we were terrible. We were just awful. It was the worst year in history at that time. And you ever watch like a coach just get to a point where the game's going so bad. We're down by like 35 Hilton's loud as hell. I think hugs is getting heckled by like four farmers in the first row. And he just loses his mind. He pretty much looks on the bench and is like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. And he yeah. <laughs> walks out 20 feet onto the court, stops the game, literally just <laughs> yells until they kick him out, and then he just continues his walk. I'm sure he cracks a Mountain Dew as soon as he gets into the locker room and waits for us to finish up. That's funny though. That's yeah. hilarious that they have that in common. That's crazy. Mountain Dew, if you're oh, listening, that is amazing. We can fill up. Yeah, this is water in my cup. But yo, we need some Mountain Dew sponsor. What's up? <laughs> or sponsor Luca. We love to help people out on this show. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, you kind of touched on some of them, but who is who is there a definitive best player you ever played against? Um, can even be in a workout or anything. I mean, so it's actually a funny story. At the NBA camp, uh, you know, our first game, uh, we were playing against you know some you know team. My my teammate was on the other team, Chris Likes, who's now going to Arkansas, and so you know that's all I knew who was. He's on tough. Team. Yeah, he's very tough. One, also, one of the best players I've ever played with, and. Uh, so we're playing the game and, you know, they have this guy who's really, really good, but I didn't like, I didn't know who he was. So after the game, they're like, you know, what'd you think of Zion Williamson? And I'm like, I was like, I had no idea who they're talking about. So I'm like, yeah, like really good player. If he keeps working, like he's going to be really, really good. <laughs> like, I had no idea. And then I like watched the rest of the camp and I find out I'm like, oh my God, this guy is unreal. And then obviously he turns out to be, you know, uh, you know, one of the better players in the NBA now, number one pick. So, you know, he's probably, you know, out there with one of the best players I've ever played against. You know, Markel Fultz in high school was, was a, was a, you know, one of the, yeah, one of the better players I've ever played against. Just, 
you know, he was so smooth, you know, pull up jumper and, and all of that. But he, he, uh, his jump shot was, you know, better than back then before all the shoulder injuries. And, you know, he was cooking. And I think he's, it hurt the magic that he went out this year. But I think there's a lot of them. And obviously the guys I mentioned also. And I think in college, um, you know, Cassius Winston, because it was just like, I, we couldn't beat him. Like, no matter what, you know, we were at sophomore year and we were up. We're up like eight with like eight minutes to go in the second half. All of, all of a sudden, we're down 15. Like he just went on a run by himself, and he just wasn't going to be denied. And that's, you know, it was something to learn from. And, and, and you know, it sadly happened at his place junior year in, in East Lansing. We were up the whole game. You know, we're up at, at half. We're playing really, really well. And, and he had zero, like one point in the first half, just played horrible. And, and he just came alive in the second half and, and it led them. Um, to be able to squeak that one out against us. So I think he, he was he was probably, in terms of college players, you know, one of the better that, that was just tough to beat. You know? What about a guy who, like, gave you buckets and then let you know? Like, who was the best trash talker? The best trash talker? I, I don't know. I mean, that's hard. I, I've had a couple guys where, like, I think – I don't know. I actually don't know. There's not been too many where it's like they're like I would let them like do that to me. You know, I I start talking to them. Do you talk? Are you a talker? Yeah, for sure. You know, it was, it was yeah. I'm always gonna. Jordan, are you a talker? A uh, little bit. I mean, it's got to be. It's got to be. Uh, it's. Gotta, I'm not gonna be the first one. I'm not gonna be the first one. I'll be still, yeah. But if someone's got something to say, I was. I was expecting Colin Sexton to. To, to come out of Luca right there. I was expecting him to say like Sexton during the AAU circuit when he was tearing people up. Yeah. Like I just always remember highlight clips of him like headbutting his teammates and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> the dude's a savage. Uh, that's what I expected. But yeah, I don't know. I talk a little bit. No, yeah. And I'm the first one to talk first. Like, you know, I, I, it's never like they talk to me first. It's always like, you know, if we're going to start talking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the first thing. Like, oh, yeah. Tom, Tom did whatever. you chirp in high school? Oh, so much. Oh, I mean, I'm like the I, worst human ever. Like, me and you would have been the worst college basketball players. <laughs> you know what? I'm less of a chirper. I'm more of like the annoying like grabber. Like oh. I'm always touching. Like I, we're, we're going to be in contact the whole time here. And like, you're going you're gonna to know I'm here. Pull the shorts down a little bit. Yeah, the short pull. The short pull is a classic. That's awesome. I love yeah. that. Um, <laughs> Luca, who's your NBA comp if you had to pick right now, right? Because that's what everyone's going to talk about while you're getting ready for the draft is like, who does he play like? Um, you know, if I had to had to choose, I think it's some guys that you can like put together, and that's kind of what I'm like. But I'd say Nikola Vucevic is the closest. You know, yep. I'd say I think he's really really good. That's um, a good one. Shoot the ball from three, can score in the post, and you're skilled. Um, and and I think you know you look back, and even in college we were similar. He played a lot on the block, and, and, and was going to that that right hand jump hook a lot, and doing different stuff like that. So I think he's he's probably the most similar. You know, I think a lot of people say Jokic, but uh, you know, I I know I'm not. As good of a passer or have the vision of Jokic does, but I think offensively, when you're talking about being able to shoot the ball and play in the post, I think there are some similarities there. I don't think you know. I think that's kind of a people say that, but it's like you know, there's a day that is one of a kind. His vision and his ability to to pass like a point guard, but to be able to score like he does and dribble the ball up, that's that's something different. I think you know guys like Ennis Cantor. Uh, you know, I think I shoot a little bit better than he does, uh, but he, he has just ability to score in bunches and, and come off the bench and just be really efficient. You know, I think those are a couple of guys that I look at 
and even like, you know, Marcus Sowell a little bit, um, you know, kind of when he was with Memphis, you know, obviously he was a really, really good defender and I hope to improve to be that good, but just offensively in terms of the versatility, uh, but the ability to score on the block and, and be able to shoot from the right side. Are you, is it kind of like back to square one? Do you have to, are you, do you embrace the underdog? Cause like high school ranked top 100, now best player in college basketball name award consensus. Now it's like, okay, entering the NBA draft, you're projected mid late first round. We'll see. But like, is now back to the drawing board. Now you got to prove yourself all over again. Yeah. I mean, I like it better this way, you know, to be honest, it's just, uh, it's, I think a lot of Hoopers do, you know, you just like to be able to be in a position to, to prove people wrong and surprise people. I think that's the biggest thing um, is that, you know, when no one expects something of you, that's, you know, that's kind of where you have nothing to lose. You just go out there. And, and honestly, you know, Every offseason, you know, I look at it, that's that's my favorite part about the game of basketball, is just being able to, to work hard and, and, and grind and, and work on yourself and improve and, and see those results. That's that's a part about basketball that I, I'm addicted to, you know, is that being able to improve myself uh, for the next step or whatever the, the next thing I'm chasing is. So, you know, I'm excited. This, this summer is going to be a lot of fun, um, you know, just working out and, and trying to, you know, continue to, to maximize my potential as a basketball player. Yeah, well, there's, almost, there's almost Go less ahead. pressure, almost less pressure on you when you've you, you've embraced that underdog role and mentality. And it's a cliche, but but there is kind of a sort of confidence that comes along with people writing you off or with people saying, you know, yeah, Garza's really good college player, uh, you know, but it won't translate all that kind of stuff, um, you know, and I heard that kind of plays into into just the mental side of, of sports. Um, Sorry, it happens to me like three times a pot. Take, take the call, Luca. Put it on speaker, man. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> but no, I was just talking about you know the mental side of stuff. And and speaking of mental side of stuff, got to hear that you you're big into meditating. That that's true. Yeah, very true. You know, I think after my during my sophomore year, I had a I had a stretch of games where I, I had like you know four. 20 plus points uh, games in a row in the Big Ten, which hadn't been done at Iowa like for since I Aaron White, and uh, you know I was playing really well. Then we had we played Michigan, I had like 19, so I was I was playing the best basketball in my career to that point in college, and you know all of a sudden you know I, I just you know kind of felt that performance anxiety, that pressure. You know that was I was I was really feeling. It. I dealt with it before in my my career with superstitions and different things like that, and just wanted to to be able to go out there and play the best game I could. So, you know, I, I just kind of, and then I, you know, I followed up that stretch with having the worst stress in my career because I was letting that mental stuff get to me, you know, everybody talking about me or starting to talk about me. I just kind of let it bother me a little bit too much. So I, you know, uh, I kind of just was talking to my dad and we had done different things like visualization and, and all of that. And I, I'd worked on that, but, you know, I, I told him I just needed to take the next step with that stuff because I still was, not feeling comfortable going to these games. I'm thinking too much about different things that, you know, aren't, that are, are taking me away from playing my best basketball. And, and, and I'm not living in the moment when I'm playing, you know, and I, at certain points I felt like that. And so, you know, um, you know, my dad's business partner is a Sikh. Uh, so he wakes up, he meditates every single day. He, and, he's, he's a what? I'm sorry. A Sikh. Okay. A Sikh, so he wears like the turban. Like, yep. He's a converted Sikh, like he was, yeah, he, he was back like a hippie back in Boston, you know, in the seventies. Right. And he changed his life around and, and he's been a Sikh for a very, very long time. He's, he's business partners with my dad, so he does all this meditation stuff. So, you know, we were starting to do some different things and, and I really liked it. And uh, 
actually the first time, you know, I, I kind of had the idea. I was like, I kind of want to do a guided meditation with, with, with him and with my dad before a game. And the, the first game, you know, I, I said that was uh, we were playing at Michigan my junior year. And that was the first game that you know I actually did a full guided meditation, and you know, obviously that was that was a game I, I set my career high, um, and 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 you know I had 44, and and that was a you know crazy game. And then after that, I was like, you know, I just felt so in the moment in that game. I'd never felt like that before, so I made sure that you know that was something that was that was a routine for me, you know, for for the rest of my career. And this year, you know, with the with the COVID year, it made it even a little bit harder mentally, just because there was no distraction. You know, you, you play, you play your game, you play practice or whatever like that. You're going back um, to, to your house and you don't get to do anything. You don't get to go to class or, you know, have anything to really take your mind off, you know, basketball. So for me, um, you know, we stepped it up again and we, we went from just doing those on uh, as a daily thing or, you know, as a game day thing, you know, uh, know, do a meditation on a game day to, I I was doing every single day and I would wake up and, and, do it first thing in the morning and then if it was a game day, I'd also do a game day meditation and that just kind of works for me and that's something that you know I, I it gets me in a zone in the moment you know ready to play and I, I think that just you know puts me in a position you know no matter how I'm playing I'm just gonna play as hard as I can and not focus on anything else right yeah that you know that's that's really interesting to me because you know sports psychology was not even talked about and I don't think you know as a, as a high school player and this is, you know, three, four years ago for me and you. I mean, nobody was talking about guided meditations, visualization, uh, you know, progressive muscle relaxation, all this stuff that now is kind of uh, a door that's being opened. When you say, you know, you're doing these guided meditations, is it is it sports psychology related or is it more, you know, because I'm assuming your dad's business partner wasn't a Naismith basketball player. No, you know, he no. was like, he's probably just doing it for his daily life. How does that look different, you know, like for you? Does he guide through just life stuff or is it is it basketball related? Yeah, for sure. You know, I've, I've also I've also like looked to YouTube to find those kind of like sports psychology related guided meditations. And I listened to one the, the night before the game. So I've like listened to it and fall asleep, just kind of relax. So that one's more geared towards, you know, sports performance. But with with uh, Ganesh, it's, it's more, um, you know, breathing exercises and, and different, you know, focusing on your breath and, and not focusing on anything else. And when you do that, you know, you just, when you go finally open your eyes after, you know, 20, 30 minute sessions, like, wow, you know, you just, you didn't let any thoughts come in besides just focusing on your breathing and holding your breath or whatever the different pranayama is what it's called or whatever the different ones of those uh, you do. And actually it was something that, um, you know, I talked about a lot my junior year and I actually had a couple of teammates who came up to me and were like going into this year who were like, Yo, like I'm dealing with the same kind of performance anxiety things, and you know, it ended up being you know Ganesh, my dad, and you know like five or six of my teammates every before every single game we were doing that, and so that's just it was kind of a you know a cool thing to see that you know people are kind of interested in that, and every basketball player deals with it. You know when you you're in, in any sport you deal with it when you're in a slump or when you're not playing well and all the the mental you know that that goes with that and how that can prevent you from really playing your best basketball. So I think that was the biggest thing. And, and, and I, I really just dove into that and, and, and it's really helped me. It's going to continue to help me as I, as I do it. As I go on. Yeah. Every, everybody has anxieties like that, but I think when you look at an athlete perspective, it's like the difference is people might have, you know, anxiety at work or home life, 
and yeah. they put that pressure on themselves. When you're an athlete, you you unlock that phone, and now there could be you know a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand people who all think that they know you know what's going on inside your head or what's going on in your life and what you need to change. That anxiety and pressure almost gets magnified, you know, times a hundred, a thousand, something crazy. Right. So you yeah. had something for for that? Yeah. Have you guys you have you used the app Headspace? I've used Calm. That app. Um, I'm, I'm a calm guy too. So, so I just got on Headspace. I got I'm like a free, free membership through work, but they just, I, I haven't tried it yet, but like, I bet you can do a trial. They have like a full MB. I don't know if y'all can see that. Probably not, but they have Is a that full. Is that the one that partnered with LeBron? They have a full NBA uh, playlist. The free ads here are just. They've got like a bunch of NBA <laughs> basketball meditations. I don't know. Maybe try that shit. No, yeah, that's that's cool. I, I I do calm too. That's the one with is with LeBron. Luka, that's more LeBron because I've listened to the LeBron one before. Okay. Like I, I haven't yeah. decided on Headspace or Calm, guys. If if Headspace or Calm, you're listening. We need sponsors here. You know. Wait, hold on. Time out, Luca. Make the decision easier. <laughs> Luca, did you say that LeBron? He's the voice. It's LeBron doing a guided meditation. Is that right? <laughs> Yeah, no, no it's actually kind of funny. Like, he's, what? Uh, bro, yeah. that is psychological warfare right there. I don't want that it's if like, I'm going to be playing like against a, him one day. It's like a there's like a music that's like calming, and then he's just kind of like talking about his experience with meditation. And basically, I mean, he did a whole like he did like six or seven different episodes, which is like, are they good? Are they like, have you yeah, listened? He's good at everything, that. Jordan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he actually is really good at it. And, you know, I it's uh. You know, it's not something that's like, oh, I'm going to listen to that before I play for me, right. but it's, it's something like I listen to and I, I like it a lot. I definitely Yeah, do. don't don't listen to it next year before you play the Lakers. Don't do yeah, that. that. Maybe that, he'll I be on the Lakers. Be at the free throw line. Hey, man, yeah. I listen. They need to your, a big who can shoot. I'm just saying. I listen to your guided meditation before the game <laughs> that he dunks on you, dude. <laughs> man, maybe Lamelo should start doing that. What? All right, anyways. Oh. Anyway, right. before he gets into that, uh, so you just got all this other like off the court. These are the people we love bringing on to talk to because, yeah, basketball is great. It's a lot of fun. I mean, it's my passion. It's our passion. But the, what makes it fun to talk to people is like, show me the different levels and layers of a person. And then not only do you have the meditation side and the mental aspect that can help off the court, you're also doing off the court stuff with, we talked about it before the show, NFTs. First of all, for people, you know, dumb it down, like me, I have no idea what an NFT is, but I keep seeing these things start to pop up. I don't know if it's like a cryptocurrency. It could be anything. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I got I to gotta hear from you what, what this is and how you kind of got into it. For sure. So, you know, NFT is, is, is a non-fungible token. That's what, it's, that's what it stands for. And basically, uh, the easiest way I can explain it is like a digital trading card. I think that's the easiest way to, to explain it. I think, you know, with cryptocurrencies, that's how you purchase NFTs. You have to put your money into a, uh, you know, a wallet, on, online wallet, you know, different, there's different apps, Coinbase, other things like that. And you get, turn your money into, you know, whether it's Bitcoin, Ethereum, or any of these different cryptocurrencies. I think my, my first NFT was sold for in Ethereum. So, um, it, it uh, you know, it ended up going for 19.91 Ethereum, which is $41,000. Um, and that, that fluctuates a lot, those numbers, because it, it went up to, after I withdrew the money, the Ethereum went up to like, you know, 
48, 49,000. It just kind of fluctuates depending on the markets. Um, but, you know, so, you know, the cool thing about my NFT was, you know, I added a whole kind of package to it. And what came with NFT was a, a signed pair of shoes, um, you know, getting a, a meet and greet basically where we did a meditation session where we did plate horse or whatever like that. And, and that's going to happen in the future. I've already met the, uh, the, the person who purchased my NFT um, and he's a really, really cool guy and I'll get to him more later. But um, so we also, you know, uh, did all of that. And also part of the proceeds were going to um, the Iowa, University of Iowa Children's Hospital. So that was something that was really important to me was to make sure I gave back to the hospital. And that Children's Hospital is so connected to the University of Iowa athletic program, you know, with the wave and all of that stuff. You know, we're all really, we're all passionate about stuff like that. And, and Jordan Bohanna has given tons of money back to the hospital already. Um, but now that I'm, I'm starting to be, uh, you know, in a position where I can monetize off my name and his likeness, I'd, I'd like to continue to give back, um, you know, to the hospital and different things like that. So, yeah, it's a, it's a digital trading card. Um, like I, um, after I did mine, it was actually cool to see that Jalen Suggs and, and Evan Mobley also released their own, uh, which was kind of cool. You know, I was kind of the first college player to ever do that. And so for them to do it is kind of just continuing to to make it uh, something that's gonna be around for a while. And I think, you know, when you look at NBA Top Shot and how successful they've been with those, those NFTs, those are the same thing. They have, um, the, the reason like I couldn't post a clip like that is because the NBA has the rights to those videos. So it's all different. That's why they can do highlights and different stuff like that. And we have to stick to images and, and, and different things like that. There's different ways around that, but you know, with with, with the other people releasing their own FTs and, and other people kind of reaching out to me like, yo, you you were that successful with your first NFT. What did you do? How did you do it? It kind of struck upon the idea with, you know, honestly, my dad and me and, and, and our designer. And honestly, also uh, the guy who purchased my NFT, we got on a call with him and he kind of also, we all talked about this idea of launching my own uh, Luca Garza NFT group.io, which is going to be a space where you know, in, in the coming weeks in July or coming months in July 1st, when 14 states pass NIL in, in different uh, different states across the country, you know, college players are going to be able to start monetizing off their name, image, and likeness. And so I'd like to, you know, that I'd like that group to be somewhere where these college players went to of any sport uh, for me, you know, to kind of help them make their NFTs and the model that I did and ensuring that they will be the most successful ones and and they can start to, to do that. Uh, and so I think that's, it's going to be a really cool thing. Hopefully I can get some really cool athletes to come uh, come and work with me and I could definitely help them. And obviously, you know, to be able to make an NFT, there's so much that goes into it. So not the regular college athlete is going to be able to, to do all of that, you know, with the blockchain technology, with all the people and, and different things to promote it. You know, it's, it's really hard to do it by yourself. So that's why I'm kind of providing this service, if you will, to kind of help them facilitate that and be able to be successful in monetizing up their name and like this. You're obviously knowledgeable about NFTs, about Coinbase, about crypto. Um, was that a passion before going into this, or is this something you've been learning quickly over the past few months? How did it, I guess, all come to you? A little bit of both. You know, I'm an economics major at the University of Iowa, so you know, I'm kind of I know the tech world a little bit. And my dad um, was also an economics major and, and big into the tech world and business world. And so I followed NBA Top Shot. I thought it was a really cool idea. Uh, I started to learn more about it when it came out. And then, you know, my dad actually was the one who came up with the idea of doing an NFC of my own. And, you know, I hadn't even thought about that. And I just loved the idea. Um, and I wanted to make sure, you know, it was, it was unique, it was different. And that's why 
all the utility that came with the card happened was we just kind of thought about different ways to do an NFT and 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 to create awareness about them. And so it, it, it was really awesome to work with my dad on that. It was it was really cool. And he has a great business mind and, and I'm starting to learn from him and I've been learning from him, you know, kind of my entire life. So, you know, it, it's a really cool opportunity. I think it's it's something that um, it's unique. It's fun, and I think it's kind of the way of the future with uh, you know the way the Top Shot is going, and 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 obviously there will always be a space for collectibles and memorabilia and different things like that. There's always a market for that. You know, people love to collect stuff, and so this is kind of the next thing with the, the you know almost digital trading cards. And you know, I got a I got another one coming out soon. You know, I haven't you know in the next couple of weeks I'm, I'm dropping a um, you know a, an NFT again. And then obviously this group will, will be, you know, starting July 1st, we'll start to have some, you know, people come to me and, and hopefully work with them on this. Yeah. So now, now just remember, I'm, I'm a dumbass. I don't know anything about anything when it comes to crypto NFTs. I, my question is, so your first NFT, this quote unquote digital trading card goes for, you know, over $40,000. Is that correct? Right. So is it your idea now? I, once again, I'm a dumbass. Why don't you just release like a hundred thousand of these NFTs and make, you know, a trillion dollars, you know, and then donate some of that. Is that not how it works? I doubt that's how it works, but explain that to me. Like what is, what's your mindset and outlook go, going forward with your NFTs? Um, is it like every now and then you're going to do a drop? I don't know how this works. Yeah, so the special thing about like the NFT that it's a one of one collectible. So each person that buys a card is like a one of one. So you're the only person that has that card, you know. So that, that's what the cool thing about it. So if you you drop more of them, it would take away from the value of having the one. You know what I'm saying? Right. I and mean, that's that's kind of what differentiates it from normal trading cards. Is like you know you get a trading card. It's one trading card unless it's like a old rookie card is not worth that much. But when you have these one of one collectibles. It, it makes it, you know, kind of cool uh, to have. And especially, um, you know, in the crypto world, it's been a big thing. You know, Rob Gronkowski did his own kind of, he released a pack of five, I think it was. And that's kind of one of my ideas going forward is to kind of take from that and do a pack of more cards, but each one being a unique design or whatever the case may be. And I've been awesome designer who's a you know Hawkeye fan Hawkeye guy and he's really 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 good at what he does um but so you know Rob Gronkowski did it as he auctioned off all five was really really successful with it and you know I think it's it's all about you know how you do it and and how creative the design is and and some people are more successful than other people on it especially with people starting to learn more and more about it I think Damian Lillard tried to release one uh recently um and, and obviously you know Evan Mobley and Jalen Suggs both did you know, uh, really, really well with theirs. Um, so I think, you know, my plan is, is, is to release, you know, a total of 55 when it's all said and done, just because it's my number. And, and I'm um, kind of partnering cool. with the Children's Hospital so that each one, they will get a portion of the proceeds. So I'll be continuing to donate to them throughout the process of how it goes. And, and um, so, you know, I'm excited to continue to do that. Suggs, Mobley, did anybody kind of reach out to you and like ask for tips or advice or thoughts or you just kind of saw neither they thought of them? Neither of them did, but uh, like I said, I've had, I'd have different guys already, you know, kind of DM me when they saw how well minded, like, you know, how do I, how do I do mine, you know, and that's kind of where the idea started was I was telling me, you know, my dad, you know, I was just like, you know, this guy reached out, this guy reached out, what do I tell him? And then we're just like, you know, kind of thinking like, you know, we could just, you know, kind of make a business out of this and help them. Because it's 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 a you know there's a lot of things you have to do you know, with it to 
getting a designer and obviously if you're using images you have to have the, the rights to the image and then all of this different stuff um, that you have to go through so you know we can make it easier we can make it more efficient and we can make it the most effective because um, you know so far with the three college players you know might have been the most successful and hopefully the next one's successful as well and hopefully you know this model can work for other people um, and, and help them you know be able to monetize up their name image likeness because you know the biggest thing with NCAA is that you know you need to create a new revenue stream you know to be able to pay these players it's not money we're not going to take the money from con the contracts with the TVs you know the NCAA is not going to let us touch any of that you know we we people complain about you know the money all these money the coaches get all of that that money's not that money's never going to the players, you know, it, it's being able to create a new revenue stream for yourself um, with your name, image and likeness, because you look at Amazon, you look up my name, you look up Jordan McCabe's name, you see, you know, 10 different t-shirts with your face on it and they're selling it, you know, and they're already using your name, image and likeness. And so the NCAA is not getting that money. The school is not getting that money. You know, these guys are just ripping it off and, and doing that and getting their own money. So why can't the players have the rights to be able to do that? Because um, that doesn't affect the NCAA. It's not, we're not taking anything away from uh, of them and they're not, you know, uh, taking anything away from us. So it's just, you know, you have to be able to do it in the right way. And I think that's what the NCAA is trying to do. And I'm very grateful for the NCAA and the opportunity to, to get a degree in economics. And we'll be thankful for it forever. And, and to play college basketball was a dream come true. But obviously this is the way of the future. And then the way we recognize that, you know, these, these, our, these college athletes of all sports need to be able to have control of their name. Yeah, you you carry yourself like this could possibly end up being something down the road for you, president of something. I don't know if you want to be the president of the United States. Sounds like it's a. Let's, but, but let's throw out this. Let's throw out this hypothetical that Luca Garza is the president of the NCAA right now, and I'm in the NCAA as a player, and I look to you and I say. What is what? What should we do? What should you do as the NCAA regarding name, image, and likeness? What does that look like? Because everybody's got their like. Well, the schools shouldn't pay the players, which I agree. But name, image, and likeness should be pretty much open season, right? You know, as a president, what would you say needs to happen? Exactly, because when you get into a salaries, it's like you know, is is the walk on getting paid as much as the best player, you know, right. it's, it's, it's girls basketball getting paid as much as basketball or, or men's basketball. Then we're in a hole, you know, with, with all of the different rules, there's, there's too much of a hiatus to be able to control that. So I think what the, what I'm talking about is this owning your name, image and likeness. So you're creating the own revenue stream on yourself. You know, you, you obviously, you know, shouldn't be able to, I think there has to be rules. Obviously schools have their own advertisement deals and different things like that. So I think, there's a lot that has to go into the planning of that and, and, and to make sure that like, you know, if you, can you sign a deal with Nike if you're at Adidas school, you know, there's like a lot of things that, right. you know, make that. So I think the advertisement is, is kind of like an area where it's like, I, I think that still has to be the schools and the NCAAs, but I think, you know, being able to, you know, create an NFT, be able to, to like sell your shoes on the player's trunk or whatever it is while you're playing, I feel like you should be able to do that. Um, so I think that is creating these other revenue streams that don't really mess with the NCAA or, or the university. I think that's the best way to go. Um, because when you get into all of that, there's, there's, there's too much there and the NCAA is just not going to give that up, but they will, you know, obviously if they come back with the NCAA video game, players should make money off that, you know, obviously yeah. percentages and other stuff like that. And they, they can all figure that out. Um, but, you know, so I think the biggest thing is if a player can, can create the revenue stream himself or raise money for himself that way, 
you know, so be it. And it has to be controlled. It has to be, you know, it can't just be, you know, a donor given $50,000 for one t-shirt. You know, there has to be something that, that's monitored that just makes sense. And if an NFT goes for that much, that's just how it is. You know, that's, if a donor yep. wants to pay that much for an NFT, he's buying an image, he's buying an art piece. You know, that's not, that's, that's different than cheating, you know, and he'd right. have to go through different people to be able to do that. So I think it's brilliant. Um, you're providing a you're providing another outlet for college athletes to make money potentially once we can do name and image likeness. I think it's super smart. You're a college player. You were a college player. You've been through it. You understand it. Luca Garza NFT Group.io. We're gonna have that text pop up right here right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's good shit, man. Gotta that's plug awesome. it. Gotta plug it. No, yeah. dude, that's that's awesome. I'm I'm glad. I learned a ton. Seriously, yeah. just not only about you as a player. I mean, we got to meet back way back when, but you've evolved so much. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'll, trust me, I'm going to take a, a bunch of the stuff that you just said, not only about basketball, but the meditation stuff, the NFT stuff. Yeah. Uh, and and if, if Nevada is one of those states in July uh, that, that does open up name, image, and likeness, uh, you can definitely expect a, a call from me because you seem like you know a lot more than I do, and I want to help <laughs> any way I can. For sure. And, you know, and, and definitely reach out to me and let me know if you want to learn more about the meditation side of that that's yeah I'm really passionate about and i can I, i'm very passionate about helping people about that too no no um, well, tom you got anything before we go i know you always got something good tom you want to you want to ask him you want to ask him how excited he is to play Lamelo ball next year go ahead oh ask him. no no i wouldn't Come do on. that to my man i wouldn't i wouldn't do that to my guy over here first of all i want to say we're the luka gar as a fan club now if you don't already have one like <laughs> Dude shot 45% from three. Like you think he's not going to like work in the NBA. Like I am a big fan. I would, I will take you on the Knicks. If we, if, you know, I think you and Lamelo would be a great duo. But look, we're a big boxing uh, podcast at, at the, uh, okay. at the core here. There's been a lot of boxing stuff. Jake Paul knocks out our guy, Nate and Ben Askren. Logan's about to fight um, Floyd Mayweather. If you had to get in the ring with one dude, Who's a good Who's a good fight for Luca Garza? Are you talking like me versus a boxer? If I had to no, uh, no, no, say, no. Ath- let's say a pro anybody. athlete, like an athlete, basketball player, probably. I I don't know. I mean, I can probably just take the easy way way out, like Muggsy Bogues or something. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be probably about the problem. But I, I, I don't love know. that idea. That'd be amazing. <laughs> you know, we could sell that fight. Right, yeah, yeah. Luca Garza versus Jordan McCabe in Las Vegas um six months from now hey luca look dude they're making 60 plus million off these fights we may as well get it it's a gold rush let's no, we do there. it we do a tag team we do jordan and luca versus like julian newman and i don't know tyson fury nikola pekovic or just go for jake paul <laughs> oh hey. hey if you want to throw shots at jake paul right now we we appreciate it you want to luca, say anything about him I, I don't know. I think what he's doing is really smart. I think he's yeah, taking, advantage of, yeah. taking advantage of a, a really, you know, market that not many people have taken advantage of to that point. You know, and I think, you know, obviously I think there's, you know, with, with professional boxers who actually like work their whole lives into boxing, I think there's a little bit of distaste there just because, you know, they I work their whole life. You're yeah. making so much money off, you know, one fight and you've been only boxing for a year, but I think it's something you can tell the guy's passionate about. He cried after the match. Like that's all. I feel like that's real. 
I, I don't think that's all fake. You know, I think he works hard. I think he, he definitely trains hard. He transformed his body. So he's putting the work in, and, and obviously he has a name. So, you know, uh, you, you can't be too mad at it. I think he's being really smart and take advantage of something. Like that. And he yeah. also he also did his own NFT uh, about the, the boxing thing, and he released his own. It was like uh, – How much does that one go for? Huh? Do you know how much that one was for? I don't know. He – when he first, he did one with like, when he just, when it was like a picture of him knocking out uh, Nate Robinson and he set the price at like something ungodly. And I don't think it got there, but it, I think he did pretty well. Yeah. Are, yeah. What, what kind of crypto do you buy? Did you buy your NF? Can you buy your NFTs with? My first NFT was with uh, Ethereum. And I think we're going to continue with Ethereum. All right, I'm ADA Cardano. I got, I got some money in there. So okay, just, there just say Dogecoin, Dogecoin. <laughs> <laughs> I sold all my doge. What about overtime coin? We got an OT coin. I think we need a subject to change NFT, guys. Well, the yeah. first episode was Jordan and I in his apartment. I think that that's a pretty good. Let's sell it. Hey, <laughs> all right, guys. Hey, come look. to the group. I can help you out. Okay. Okay. I love it, Luca. Listen, before these two waste any more of your time today, just going off the rails. I'm going to let you jump off here. We appreciate it. Tom's right. You got, you got fans in, in subject to change in the podcast. And I'm sure the following, everybody listening right now uh, is definitely now, if they weren't already a Luca Garza fan. Good luck with everything, brother. Let's stay in touch uh, and go kill it, man. We're rooting for you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I re really appreciate you guys having me. It means a lot. Good dude. Yeah, he was awesome. That was, yeah, that was a really good one. Yeah, he's smart for sure, but... Um... Uh, before I wrap, before I wrap this up, uh, I just we can spitball here for a little bit. Uh, I wanted to throw Tyson Fury in there. Um, did you see the? Did you see? I, I just threw his name out there, but did you see Tyson Fury's video on his Instagram story? You didn't What's see he that. What's he talking about? What's that? What's he saying? He's, he's he's talking about. Um, I can't remember what heavyweight boxer he's talking, to, but he's talking. Hold on, let me look it up. Oh, because there's a uh, he's got a fight coming up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here it is. Hold on. Look at this. I'm the UFC guys. You know, you want some of this Gypsy King money? You know where to come and find it. You want some of this Gypsy King power? I'll give it you. Anytime. That might be the most least intimidating boxer I've ever seen in my life. He looks like he looks like Johnny Sins. Like let himself go. I swear to God. Like if he was a little taller. Dude, I swear that that's actually like. Don't hate on Fury, dude. That no, dude I love. Listen, all respect to him, but that is hilarious. He's wearing like basketball shorts past his knees. He's not in like great shape, but I just think it's so funny when I saw him. Like in his accent, like there's nothing intimidating about him other than the fact that he can knock you into like another dimension. You know what I'm saying? I thought that was hilarious. I like yeah. the accent. It's like the Taken dude. Like, oh, you don't want to. No, I don't think it's like the Taken guys at all. I don't think the Taken guy is Scottish. Isn't isn't Tyson Fury? No, it's like it's like Lot Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. That movie. You don't know it. It's before your time. It's fine. But anyways, that was really good, guys. Should, should yeah, I wrap this cool. thing up? Should we should we sign it off? I don't know. We haven't talked in a minute. Why don't we chop it up for a sec? Wait, didn't we want to do two segments, Spence? Yeah, let's do a couple a couple more segments. No, that was great, Lucas awesome i mean there's just so much about him the nft stuff but i was really wishing he would throw out somebody he wanted to fight because i feel like that's what everybody's doing right now like i don't know tyson fury somebody because he's a bigger white guy everybody compares him to that so 
we didn't get that, but we do have news in, in the fight world. Logan Paul, Floyd Mayweather is officially set for, is it June or July? July? June 6th? No, it's June 6th. June 6th in Miami, Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather. Pay, uh, it's going to be on Showtime pay-per-view. I got a hot take. Got? I got a hot take. It is going to be the least interesting fight in the history of boxing. It's going to be so boring. And this is why. Like, Mayweather is just so fast. He's going to be dodging the whole time. Logan's going to be throwing these slow haymakers. And there's going to be no contact at all. It's going to be boring. So- I cannot disagree more. I I think, like, it wouldn't surprise me if Logan wins, like, at all. That's just the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life, Tom. He's got 100 pounds on him. He's got, like, 10 inches on him. He's younger. He's been training nonstop. Jake's over here killing people. Like, do we – like, I don't know. I just think it's bad. Like, do you really think Floyd's punches are going to hurt Logan? Yes, I I truthfully do think – I mean, I don't know – You ever been punched by, like, a little kid? Like, is your, like, little, like, cousin ever punched you? You're comparing, you're comparing the greatest boxer possibly of all time to your little cousin right now. I just want you to size make sure wise. Yes. You, if, you weigh what? Like 190 pounds. Yeah. That's actually really good. I'm close. I'm about 180. Okay. If a person who's a 90 pounds punches you, nothing is happening to you. I don't think that's a fair comparison whatsoever. Uh, I here, here's what I do think is going to happen. I don't think it's going to be a knockout. There's no way. Um, I think the sports world would burn down if if Logan Paul won. I don't even know how people would react. I truly be sad. Don't. We would be sad. No, but I don't think anybody knows how they would react. I don't think anybody wants to give it even a possibility like you're doing right now of Logan Paul potentially because that would just it would collapse the whole system of what it means to be a professional athlete. I don't care how old Floyd is. If you're 50 and 0 or 49 and Conor McGregor, whatever. If you're 50 and 0. There's no reason you're even going to like let this be close. Now, I guess the only question is, is whether or not you're going to illegally stream it or you're going to buy it. Are you going to pay pay-per-view for this fight? That's the real question. Now that I bought the Jake Paul fight, that's the first fight I've ever paid for. You like, bought I paid, that? Yes. I paid for, um, for the whole experience, which like, I'm glad I did. All the people who I sent websites to, like it's shut down right when the fight started. Um, I have to do it for work. Like it helps me to know like when that fight ends, like it really does. Right. But I think I'll buy this fight. Spence. And I'll watch. Yeah. I think we're going to buy it. I think close one. I think it's fair to say we can expense the fight, Tom. I think it's fair to say I'm trying to go to the fight. Like I'm legitimately trying very hard to get to this fight. I think we should do a live podcast at the outside the arena. If we can't get in. Or we could try. You're going to be in Miami anyways. It's a pretty good vlog. Yep. Really good vlog. Really good vlog. But let's hold on. Rewind. The fact that you bought the Jake Paul fight. I mean, that's, that's unfortunate because a, there were streaming services that, that got it up there. Now I was watching it. And like, right when the Paul fight came on, it sounded like a ping pong ball, like off the paddle, (laughs) but like, so they messed with the audio, but the, 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 the visual was still there. And then I found another one and it streamed just, just perfectly fine for the, 30 seconds long fight, but that's, that's unfortunate. I will not be buying this fight. No way in hell. The reason I bought it. So I was with like my five boys and like, we were really hyped to hang out and they didn't know anything about the fight. We're like, Hey, we're just going to chip in 10 bucks each. Like, it'll be great. So I, I buy it at the beginning of the night. We start watching it. 
And I'm like hyped. Like you got Snoop Dogg there. Pete Davidson's doing like stupid stuff in between. We get an Ice Cube performance. We get a Justin Bieber performance. They turn it off. They're like, yeah, we'll turn it back on when Jake Paul's about to fight. I'm like, if you paid for this just for the fight, like we are going to be miserable the whole time. Like you gotta, you're paying for the whole experience. You're paying here. for the stuff in between fights. That you are 100% right. 100% right. So that was my logic. It did not work. My friends did not enjoy it. Uh, I don't know who, who do you think Jake's going to fight next? I think that's the big thing now. Who do you want to see him fight now? I want to see him fight Pete Davidson. Cause I guess he's all, he he's hates all, Pete Davidson. He's now. all butthurt. He's all butthurt that he hired a freaking comedian to come in and he's now upset that the dude made fun of him. Like that's literally what the guy does for his job. Is there any shot we get the, the Jake Paul for Fury's little brother fight? That guy's yoked. That guy's yoked. So, that guy will. So he's five and zero, but apparently Apparently the record of the people he's beaten is like 10 and a thousand. Like he's fought no one also. I think you're going to get Jake fighting one more borderline person before then. I, I think you're getting a celebrity in some way or a UFC guy again before he fights a real boxer. He's got to keep winning. Otherwise people are going to stop, stop watching. You know what I'm saying? He's got everybody in America by the balls. Like everybody watches Jake Paul, whether they hate him or love him until he loses he will, he will continue to draw money. It doesn't even matter if they're that good of fighters. Okay, so on the flip side, what about Logan? So after Logan gets smoked, because Tom, he's not going to win the fight. So no. after he gets smoked, is that is that it? Is he just going back to being Logan Paul? Is he going to yeah. put on the gloves again? But it's like he's still yeah. his biggest payday ever. Like, Yeah, the, the tough thing for him is that he'll now be 0-2. And it's like... He said on his podcast, like, I don't mind being the guy who keeps losing. So like, he's down to keep taking these fights. Like, it's just weird. But I don't know. I think event, I think he, after this, takes, like, a fight that he can win. Like, I he think, needs to win. I think what happens, he, he might keep doing that. Jake's going to keep his hot streak going till he loses. And then in maybe a year or two years, the, the two brothers are going to make $150 million fighting each other. A zillion dollars. That's that what's is, gonna happen. That is that's that is yeah. really it works. Nah, that's a good call. Now, see, Jake is gonna lose eventually, and he's gonna be like, I did it on purpose. Now you're gonna pay for the rematch, and he's gonna do a rematch, and he's gonna do the whole fight thing that boxers do. Here's a fun one. What would you pay? What would would people pay for the Ben Asker Nate Robinson fight? Yes. <laughs> and I think Nate wins. Nate's what? in better shape. I think Nate wins. <laughs> I don't After, know about did that. Did you see? Know. Did you see that Jake and Ben were actually supposed to wrestle after because Jake was in like an all-state wrestler and Ben's an Olympian wrestler, but he's like out of shape. Also, our guy Ben Ashton was on this podcast. He really let us down. Like we don't talk about it. Like we were on his side for a little bit. Can y'all believe how that worked? I like DM. We let him back on. (laughs) Yeah, I was, I was on his side pretty all the way through, to be honest. I saw one, I saw one. Okay. Right, 24 hours before the fight, he Ben Askren had like an open uh, workout, like training session. And now instead of like throwing punches from here, looking like, I mean, like, I don't know, a geriatric in the YMCA, he was really snapping off punches. And I'm like, oh shit, like Ben Askren was just messing with everybody. He's a genius. And now like, he's really going to go in there and destroy. Yeah, Jake then he Paul. took his shirt off and he looks like me. So I, I didn't even care about the shirt thing. I'm like, look, he could still throw them because he was snapping punches, jabs, all this combos. And then he goes in the ring and it literally looked like he just like 
like I don't, somebody should zoom in and see if he winked at Jake, like, okay, now, and just dropped his hands and let him knock him out. I just, I don't, I don't understand it, but we are subject to change is becoming the podcast that produces the people that Jake Paul chews up and spits out. Yeah. We got to pick our, we got to get Fury's brother on. Yeah. All right. Let's get Fury's brother on. All right. That's good. So, all right. Yeah. We'll see what happens with the fight, but Tom next week, you know what happens? Your boy is back. back. We're back, baby. The podcast is back. You guys know why the podcast hasn't been coming out as often? Because no LaMelo content, but he's back. They said he would be done for the year. Said broken wrists, shut it down. Not going to win rookie of the year. Anthony Edwards is going to win it. But now LaMelo is going to come back. They're the eight seed right now. Okay, he's going to come back with like 10 games left. Maybe they climb out of the eight seed. Maybe not. Get into the playoffs and they will maybe win a first round series. And he's going to win rookie of the year. I think he comes back and gets like a triple double very early on. Do you think he's going to win Rookie of the Year, Jordan? I don't know. Anthony Edwards. Is, is Anthony Edwards pissed right now? No, no. Anthony Edwards doesn't care, man. Anthony Edwards just lives his life. You, you see him. They're nineteen and forty-four. The Timberwolves right now. That's the other thing. You, you can't, you can't really give Rookie of the Year to you know what are they? They got to be one of the last, last spots in the in the East, right? There's three teams tied for no. The Rockets have 15 wins and the Timberwolves have 19. Rockets are struggling. Rockets but. suck. Yeah, I, I think I, I think Lamelo. First of all, I I was kind of enjoying uh, a hiatus from Tom and his Lamelo uh, infatuation. You know, the only news we really got out of Lamelo in the during his little break was him running around with Miss Trump, which was which was fine with me just hearing that. But now that he's back to playing basketball, I am excited to see uh, if he can make that push. Because uh, same thing happened. You know, Zion made that late push for for Rookie of the Year. I think I think LaMelo ends up getting it. I think it's just good for the NBA's culture. I mean, people love him. Tom really loves him. You, and he's played way better than anybody, I think, even realized or expected. Yeah. I think the fact that he's going to – that one, the team really – they had a bunch of injuries. It's not just him, but they really struggled without, without him. If he can come back and show that, like, they get into the playoffs, he plays well – I don't, I still think just what he meant to the team and the numbers overall will, will outdo Anthony Edwards who crushed it also him and Halliburton have, have both had great years, but like LaMelo just means a lot more to the team. So I, I think you, I think it has to be him. So also, I gotta, like, I haven't watched the NBA since he got hurt. Here's my question though. Speaking of his injury, like how did, how is he back already? Like it was a broken wrist, right? What something's fishy, something, I don't know. The simulation is glitching. The simulation is glitching. Lamelo's coming back way too soon. This is this is, dude. Speaking of that, sorry, I just got to throw it in. Did you see? Did you see Logan Paul said I'm gonna break the simulation? That's what he said. No, you didn't see that. That that was his. The, the fight came out and he said Logan Paul said two things. Uh, full transparency. My mother is terrified for his life. And the second thing was on Ju- on June 6th, I'm gonna break the simulation. But sorry, that's where my head went. Let's okay, what would be a bigger upset? Lamelo comes back and leads the Hornets to an NBA championship, or Logan Paul upsets Floyd Mayweather and knocks him out in the first round? <laughs> that's a great question, Tom. You're sharp today, baby. I don't. Which oh. one? Which, Lamello, which one would be more shocking? The, the Hornets win the championship. You got to beat LeBron. You got to yeah. beat Giannis. Like no yeah. way, no way that like May like Mayweather or Logan won one lucky swing and it's over. 
Yeah. Right. And, and like, people are going to say that that's fake. If that happens, like no one's going to be like, Oh, the NBA is rigged. They let LaMelo win the championship in his first year. But no like, way. If, oh my God. Could you imagine my head would explode over? What if they explode. both happen? <laughs> then we are fun. in a simulation. Then, then we're then to, then it's, then it's okay, a, listen. Yeah, we shut this whole thing down if both those things happen. If Logan Paul wait, then we have the best podcast ever. Yeah, then no, then we're no, then we're hitting up Luca, and this conversation is being sold as an NFT. Yes, that's yeah. I still don't. I still have no freaking clue what (laughs) NFT means after like an hour. But yeah, let's sell this digital card (laughs) or whatever. I don't know. Okay, so Lamelo is going to win NBA Finals. Him and Gordon Hayward put the league on their back. They upset the Nets. They upset the Lakers. Well, that's really it, right? They don't have to pay the rest of the Western Conference. And then Logan Paul knocks out Floyd in the first round. Comment below which one you think is more likely to happen. Uh, I think it's I think it's Lamelo, but I get the Floyd Logan thing too. Yeah, we're really going to figure out if this whole thing's a simulation, folks. I hope you're ready. Buckle in. Subject to change. Said it first that the simulation is real and it's about to glitch. See ya.